came not to sin peace, but a sword. For I'm come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. That's what Jesus said. Luke chapter number 14 and verse number 25. There went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father. Now that word hate doesn't mean literally. This is figurative language here. Jesus is saying in comparison in comparison with the love and dedication you have for me, what you have for your natural family and your natural sense is going to be hatred in comparison to it. Jesus said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after you have laid the foundation is not able to finish it, but all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that Forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned. It's neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Lazarus and the rich man, Luke chapter number 16, you find that story unfold and you see that place in the center of the earth was the holding place for the souls of men. On one side was the paradise side, which will be found empty today. That's where the saints of God that had died before the resurrection of Jesus Christ were assembled in the bosom of Abraham waiting for the day that the final atonement would be made on the mercy seat in heaven so they could stand before the holiness of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then on the other side was the hell side, the holding place for the souls of men. Not originally designed to be a holding place for the souls of men. 
originally designed to be a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. His ministering spirits, those wicked spirits, those devils, those demons that try to torment the children of God, that try to torment and damn the souls of men, try to be destructive and try to obstruct the worship of God and try to come into the house of God and put themselves in the assembly of the saints of God and cause confusion. There's been a place prepared for them and they'll go there one day. According to the righteousness of God and according to the everlasting word of God, they've got a place prepared for them. The word of God said in the story of the rich man and Lazarus that that rich man desired that Lazarus would come and dip his finger in water and touch his finger to that rich man's tongue that he might be get some comfort that he was tormented in that place. And the Lord Jesus spoke of Abraham's word and said there's a great gulf fixed. Tonight, between saved and lost, born again and unregenerate, there is a great gulf fixed. Jesus made that division through the Word of God. Many of you that sit in this building tonight own property, their property lines, their divisions between your property and your neighbor's property. I've been a surveyor in days gone by. That was part of my public job was to survey and I was not a licensed surveyor when I bought this property down here I found my property lines brother Jesse and I had a licensed surveyor Micah Sidden and a friend came and and he wanted to be a blessing and a help and he brought a boy with him and they found my corners and there was a couple of irons that wasn't in and they put them in and they went down through the woods brother Tim and flagged the trees and when it was all over my surveyor Michael looked at me and he said preacher are the lines where you thought they was I said exactly he said that's a good thing because there ain't a thing I can do to change them you with me The Holy Ghost of God drew the lines. He recorded them in his book. And whether you like it or you don't like it, that's what she is, buddy. That's that's what she is, buddy. God recorded it in his word, and that's what it says, and that's what it is. And there are divisions, and there's lines, and if they're where you think they are, good. And if they ain't where you think they are, it don't matter. You can't change them. The Word of God says that the sword... Is a dividing thing. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the joints and the marrow. Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, the Word of God said in Ephesians chapter 6 that it's the sword of the Spirit, Brother Ricky. And sometimes we pick up our Bible or we look at our Bible and tell somebody, Hand me my sword. Brother Wesley, it ain't your sword. It ain't my sword. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's His sword. I ain't got no right to be swinging this thing. I ain't got no right to be hacking and chopping with this thing. I'm just going to present it to you. It's His. It'll cut where it cuts, buddy. It'll divide where it divides. Brother Mark, I didn't do the dividing. God did. I didn't draw the lines. God did. I didn't make the divisions. God did. It ain't my sword. It's His. It ain't my divisions. It's His. Ain't my lines, it's his. The choice is yours. 
which side of the line are you going to be on? You see, you can be saved, born of the Spirit of God, and get on the wrong side of the line. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. And some of you boys, basketball fans, I don't care much about that. But that's good if you do. That's fine. I ain't against it. Brother Tim, it don't matter how fast you can sprint, how fast you can run. It don't matter what kind of defense you play and what kind of offense you play. It don't matter how good you can dribble a ball. It don't matter how you can strip that net and hit them long shots. If you're out of bounds, you're out of bounds. Guess what? If you're out of bounds, don't count. God drew the lines. You better be sure you're in bounds. Because, Brother Jason, if you ain't in bounds, what you do won't count. That's what God said. If you look at what the Word of God said in Luke chapter 14, then look back in Matthew chapter 5, the Word of God says, Ye are the salt of the earth. And if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It. What is it? The world. If the church, if the children of God have lost their savor, how's the world going to be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. And we've got good for nothing Christians and good for nothing churches living good for nothing lives. Good for nothing. If you're out of bounds, you're out of bounds. There are several things tonight that salt does. Number one, salts are preservative. In the old days, when a baby was born, they took that baby and bathed it and washed it in salt. Took the impurities out. Salt's a preservative. You country folks are a little bit older than I am if you ever put up a ham. Hog killing time, you get ready to put those hams up and you rub that salt in them things and put it up. That salt's a preservative. It keeps it. Tonight, Miss Nita, the salt of the children of God, of the Holy Ghost of God living in this world is a preservative of this world. Guess what's going to happen when the salt leaves this world, Brother Wesley? All hell's going to break loose. The salt in this community is a preservative in this community. The salt in your homes are preservative in your home. The Word of God said, if you wives that are saved in your home sanctify your children. That don't mean you make your children saved. That means you bring the blessings of God on your home by being saved. Your lost husband will get the blessings of God just because he's got a saved praying wife living in the house. Your children may be lost, but they'll get the blessings of God living in a house that's got a praying mama in it. Follow me? That salt's a preservative. This community will get preservative in this community because of being a light on this hill. Salt's a preservative. But if the salt gets worthless, then your home is going to be worthless. Your community is going to be worthless. Salt's a preservative, but salt is an irritant. Brother Rick, you ever had a cut on your hands and get salt in that? It's an irritant. But do you know salt will never irritate a healthy body? Brother Wesley, you get a scab and a sore and a schism and a pimple. And you get one of them ugly little old pimples growing on the face of the church. And you get salt on there and rubbing in, it'll irritate the devil out of them. They'll, they'll get to squirming around. You get to preaching this book, and the Holy Ghost of God shows up, and God lets you rear back and run through their little pea patch, and they'll get to squirming on the bench. You think their hemorrhoids is bothering them. I can't get a fine position where they can get enough comfort, and their face will get contorted, and they'll look like they swallowed something out not had in their mouth. Amen. Salt is an irritant. 
It'll bother folks, but thank God that it'll bother you. Thank God some of you that got saved, that the Word of God began to bother you. Miss Nita, if you hadn't ever got bothered, you would never got born again. Girls, if you hadn't ever got bothered, you would never got born again. But I'm telling you, that salt of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that God's left in the church, in the believers of God, will irritate folks if they ain't right with God. It's also a savor. It's a savor. If you've got an appetite. Brother Ricky, it don't matter how good something tastes. If you're sick on your stomach and you ain't got an appetite, it ain't going to be good. But salt's a savor for somebody that's got an appetite. There's some of you that you look around and you see old Brother Jesse get full of God once in a while. You see little old brother Wesley once in a while stand up weeping full of God. You see one of these other ladies, Miss Pat or Miss Vail, to get to weeping and streaming tears, or Miss Brenda or Miss Pat, get to waving her hand and glorifying God. And there's some of you that's a savor to you because there's an appetite in your soul and you see somebody that's sawed around you and it causes you to want more what they got. If you're saved, born again, and you ain't full of the Holy Ghost to God, you get around somebody full of God, it gets you to wanting to get full of God. It's a savior. It gives you that desire to have more. It's a blessing and it's a hope. It gives somebody a desire for more, but I'll tell you something else that salt does. It creates a thirst. Boy, you ever get one of them good ham biscuits and I ain't had one in a long time, Brother Rick. You quit grinning. You probably have. I ain't had one lately. Buddy, you, you get to eating that ham. Directly, you get to running back to the water spigot. Sometime in the middle of the day, you'll say, I ain't got no idea why I'm so thirsty. You'll say, oh, it's that ham I've been eating. You know why there's some lost folks been coming in here service after service after service? There's been some salt. Cause them to get thirsty. Cause them to get to wanting something. Cause them to get to wanting something. I'm going to tell you, there is a natural division, but somehow or another, that salt builds a bridge. That salt helps us get folks the gospel that'll get them across the line. I don't know how to explain this, precious Miss Pamela. I don't know how to explain this to you, honey. When you got born again in the Spirit of God, there's a natural dividing line come by you. You ain't going to understand it for a while, but it's there. God put a division between you and other folks. You'll find out when you get born again who your real friends are, Brother Jesse. You'll find out, Miss Brenda, who your real family is when you get born in the Spirit of God. Have some of y'all noticed how that God has put a cohesion in some of your family and you just can't get enough of the folks that you worship with and the folks that you weep and cry gather around the Word of God with and there's something inside you causes you want to get around folks and there's other folks that naturally you don't mean to be ugly, you don't mean to be mean, but there's a natural frustration that builds. That's right, Brother Ricky. That's what salvation, ain't that what Jesus said? He said, I come to send peace. I come to bring a division. That's what he said, Brother Tim. God's made a division in some of your lives and you're scratching your heads wondering why people that you thought for so long that was so spiritual since you've got born again 
and you can't figure out why y'all ain't fitting together no more. I've said this over and over and over again. I'm about to say it one more time. You cannot join yourself to a local church. You can't make yourself fit in. I don't care how hard you try, Brother Wesley. I've had times come when God made a division in my life, Brother Jesse, with a church. church that I loved and I loved them and I wanted to make absolutely certain that it was God's will that I left. Because I did not want to leave a body God put me in. Miss Laura, you know that. God knows my heart. There's been times I stayed way longer than I ought to stay because I want to make sure I'm supposed to go. You can't add yourself to a body, but you can take yourself away from one. And when you do, you're going to be in a mess once you've severed yourself. But I'm going to tell you, there's some natural divisions. You didn't make them, God did. You didn't draw them lines, God did. And it's amazing, when I got saved, born again, I had family that I loved and I cared about, and I had a whole lot in common with them when I was lost. When I got saved, all of a sudden, I just didn't have that much in common with them no more, and tonight, as I look back, I ain't got a thing in common with them. And I watch folks in church all the time, you that have ears to hear, hear. I see folks all the time that try to fit in. They look and try to find their place, their niche, their place where they fit in. If you're born of the Spirit of God, you're saved. You won't have to look long because God puts you in your place, Miss Donna. There's a whole lot of functions and there's a whole lot of things that some of you that I don't really, I don't really have a whole lot of intermingling with you in some functions in some places. But there are places you got your place. Every little old thing I do, Miss Francis, you ain't on my heels. But you got your place. One of them's just sitting right there on that pew, nodding your head, saying, Amen, preacher. One of them's working with that Bible school at your place. Miss Donna, you got your place. You got your place. I didn't give you that place, I didn't put you there. God did. Well, I listen to you. I listen to some of you on that CD I put on the table tonight. Uh, Sunday morning, standing up, glorified, magnifying God. You was right in your place, buddy. You was right in your place. You didn't ask for that place. You didn't have to squirm and wiggle and, and beat yourself with a hammer to fit into it. God put you in your place. And there are other folks, they wiggle and they squirm and they try to cut corners and they try to beat and bang and fram and they still can't fit in, Brother Wesley. I had a little old boy one time, he came to me and he told me, he said, Preacher Mike, he said, me and my wife just can't get in the clique at church. I said, son, ain't no clique in the church. There is an inner circle of people that walk with God and they got something in common because they're on the same page in the same book. Amen. But if you feel like you're outside the circle, boy, that's your problem. It ain't theirs. Right. He said, do you think so? I said, won't you ask God? He come back, sat on my couch, said, Preacher, I've been thinking about what you said. It ain't their problem. It's been mine. I ain't, I ain't been in my place. I see a whole lot of things go on, but I see a lot of natural divisions. There are times and there's places and there's people, Brother Ricky, and I can't explain this. I hope y'all are as human as I am. Maybe I'm the only one who goes through this. Miss Pat, there's people that are honest for the Lord. I just get so frustrated at I could just cuss them. 
I can't help it. I'm sorry, I'm being honest. If y'all don't like that, I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't do nothing different. There's people I just get frustrated with. I want to scream at them, throw something at them. If it was up to me, I'm glad I ain't God. I'd just put them in hell, Brother Tim. I'm being honest. But Brother Mark, there's some people that I cannot explain this, that God gives me a love for them. I want to take them and hold them and draw them near to me. And I hope you folks know this. When I tell you I love you, I ain't just spouting out four-letter words. I love you. I care about you. There's some folks that God put in my heart that only the Holy Ghost of God can do. And you don't even know why you love them. God just give you a love for them. There's some of you sitting in this building tonight, you're lost, you're unregenerate, you know you are. You ain't trying to put on a show. You're not trying to make something up. And God's put love in my heart. Some of these fellows that meet, some of my prayer partners that lay around and wallow and seek God, I'll hear them calling your name because I know God put a love in their heart for you. And I can't explain that. The Holy Ghost does that. Because he's the one draws the lines, not me. Brother Jody, God didn't give me that job of drawing the lines. Brother Jesse, he did give me a job of pointing out where they are once in a while. That's what a surveyor does. Surveyor don't draw the lines. He just points out where they are. He'll put some flagging in some trees. Any of y'all know anything about surveying? You find a tree that's on a line. You figure out where the line is and you reach... It's three feet from the tip of your nose to the tip of your finger. If you stand with your nose on the line, if there's a tree within three feet on either side, you flag that tree, and that's a line tree. It's real close to show you where the lines is. You know what God calls some of y'all to do? Be a line tree. You ain't the line. You're just showing folks where it's at. You ain't the judge. You're not their judge, Brother Tim. But if you're a line tree, you're pointing out where the line's at, and if they don't like it, they just get irritated by the salt. You're not their judge. But when when you get flagged, you're flagged. There's lines drawn. It's up to you to decide which side you're on, which side you're going to stand on. I didn't have no intention of preaching tonight. God's blessed my soul. That book's right. That book's right, buddy. You ain't going to go wrong trusting that book. God's, God's deed book's well recorded. It's going to be right. Heads bowed and eyes closed.